You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. A couple of years ago, uh, no, a couple of years into seminary, I had a hard falling out with the church. Intellectually, I'd hit a brick wall that made it seem like belief was impossible. And spiritually, I'd been made to feel devalued by church after church that I visited, and most of them seemed to care more about the bottom dollar uh, of making sure the empty sanctuary was air-conditioned all week or that the praise band had the right equipment that they needed than about ministering to the poor and binding up the brokenhearted. I became uh, hypercritical and suspicious of every decision that every church made. I started identifying, at least among uh, my group of closest friends, as an atheist, which made being a seminary student uh, a little problematic. A year or two later, I spent a long weekend in a monastery as part of a class I was taking on Benedictine spirituality, where I fell in love with the way the monks prayed day in and day out for a world that they weren't even actively involved in. They seemed so genuine and serious and loving and forgiving in everything they did. I wanted to pray like that, even if I didn't believe that I was actually praying to anything or anyone. So I set up a little table in our guest bedroom at home and decided I was going to start waking up uh, very early to pray in the morning like a monk. So one morning at 5 a.m., I lit the candles on the little altar in my prayer room, put some incense on the burner, and began reading from a prayer book that a friend had given me several years earlier. And there, sitting alone in a tiny, dark room full of smoke with candlelight bouncing off the walls it suddenly occurred to me that I had hurt people in ways that I was never previously aware. It wasn't a sort of cloud-parting, light-streaming-down-from-heaven-come-to-Jesus moment. I wasn't convicted of all the horrible things that I'd done. I'd never killed a person or cheated on my spouse or siphoned millions of dollars by skimming pennies from a company I worked for. In fact, it wasn't even anything very specific at all. It was just a sudden awareness of the tiny, almost unperceivable things that I do on a daily basis that have unforeseen consequences. That a lot of my angst and anger that I had previously directed toward the church and even toward some of my closest friends had been in many ways misplaced in my rush to play the victim. That I was frequently a mean person without intending to be that I was often way better at hurting people than I was at loving them. And all at once, there was a tiny, honest voice inside me telling me I wasn't as good a person as I thought I was. It was just a small epiphany, but it was heavy, like a millstone. In our gospel for this week, Jesus flat out tells his disciples, look, occasions for stumbling in life are bound to come. We're going to screw things up. We're going to fail to live up to others' expectations of us and to hurt people who are important to us in ways that 
we may not even be aware of. And others are going to deeply disappoint us as well. Our friends will betray us or be absent when we feel like we need them the most. Even this church and our pastors will frustrate us, sadden us, let us down. And Jesus doesn't just say this is possible or probable. He says it's inevitable. He says it's impossible not to happen. But that also doesn't give us a free pass to wallow in our hurt and self-pity. Jesus places squarely on our shoulders the responsibility to confront people when they've wronged us rather than holding on to that anger. And when they come to us looking for release from the hurt they've caused, Jesus says, forgive, 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 and forgive. Even when that very same forgiveness may not be extended to us. It's no wonder the disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. That's a tall order. Which is exactly why, in almost the exact same breath, Jesus follows it up with a weird little saying about a mustard seed. Now, despite the way our translation reads, Jesus doesn't actually say, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. He says, if you had faith like a mustard seed. If you had faith the way a mustard seed has faith. But that's ridiculous. I mean, what kind of faith does a mustard seed have? Only the faith that it will become what it already is. A mustard seed knows that it will become a mustard plant. Nothing more, nothing less. A mustard seed harbors no illusions that it will become a cedar tree. The faith of a mustard seed is the humility and self-knowledge it takes to uproot a mulberry tree and plant it in the sea. And even more astonishing, faith like a mustard seed is even powerful enough to cause us to forgive those who have deeply hurt us over and over and over again. Uh, many of you all know that in my spare time, I'm working my way toward becoming a biblical scholar. Um, there's, there's something really amazing about this mustard seed saying, and if you'll allow me the opportunity to nerd out on you all for just a second, I promise not to bore you. Um, in Greek, there are actually two ways of saying if. The first expresses something that everyone knows is untrue. If the moon was made of barbecue spare ribs, would you eat it? The second expresses something that's actually true. If the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And Jesus actually uses the second kind of if here. If you had the faith of a mustard seed. So Jesus isn't berating the disciples for not having enough faith. But pointing out their own faith to them. God has already given them the faith they need to forgive. Faith isn't about believing the right things, or giving our intellectual assent to a list of propositions. It's about recognizing our complete and total powerlessness to do what's required of us without God's help. It's why in our baptismal liturgy, the, the congregation stands together and when asked, will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? We answer confidently and with one voice, we will with God's help. 
between us all, God has already given us the faith to make a mulberry tree grow and thrive on the surface of a rocky sea. That early morning several years ago when I sat alone in my prayer room, I realized a lot of uncomfortable truths about myself. I'm often quick to condemn and slow to forgive. More often than not, I'd rather talk about people behind their backs than confront them on how they've hurt me or to ask them for forgiveness for the ways that I've hurt them. And by the way, these kinds of relational failures are so much more common in an online social media culture in which outrage seems to be the default setting. Sometimes these failures feel like weights dragging us down with them to the bottom of the sea. But then Jesus shows up and he says, you know what? You've already got what it takes to cut the rope on that weight. The faith that you're asking for, the support network that you need to let go of those things that you're holding on to or are holding on to you, you already have them. They're sitting in those weird, uncomfortable white folding chairs right next to you. They're smelling the same incense and singing the same hymns in four-part harmony with you. They're eating at the same table with you. Jesus knows we already have the faith of a mustard seed. He gave it to us. And despite its small size, it's enough. It's enough. Amen.